We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And Eric, is it a relief? Like, are we finally relieved to be done watching the Broncos this season? It's like it, we're on to draft season. Let's have some fun here tonight, man. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. I mean, I was ready to be done watching Broncos football about two months ago, and now it's finally here. No more games that we have to watch. And like, hey, I'm. Glad they beat the Chargers. Good for them. It was a meaningless game. Like, so it, the win's a win, but, uh, you know, still meaningless game and all that. But I'm excited. I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited that I get to focus now strictly on the draft. And I don't still have to keep, an up, keep up on, you know, what's going on with the Broncos directly, you know, um, how are they getting ready for the team, for the next opponent, things like that. And it's just strictly a draft focus, and this past week has been a lot of me trying to finish everything up because I am extremely far behind in my draft work this year. Yeah, likewise. I've, I've gotten um, – I re- redid my uh, my scouting grades. So I, w- I went through and, and redid those the other day, kind of adjusted some things based on what happened last season. So hopefully this year I, I do a little bit better. Um, I've got about 50 players that I've really got a good square look at. Um, and then a, a bunch of other players that I've watched over the course of the season to kind of get an, an idea on, listen to some podcasts and everything. So it's been, it's been fun to so far kind of get everything refreshed and renewed to join and jump into this upcoming draft season. And I'm really excited to be um, at where I'm at right now because I feel like I'm a little bit further along than I usually am at this particular point. But before we get into today's show, first off, uh, what's up, Mike? How we doing? Mike Ronquillo jumping in the chat. Top 10 on Mile High Huddle's uh, Mount Rushmore for the Huddle Up Podcast Network. Uh, good evening, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos. And good evening to you, Michael. Good evening to everybody here who's joining us. We've got Todd Osendorf in the house. Malcolm Brown saying what's up from Homer, Alaska. Uh, Jay Kozad is always in the house. St- uh, Jay Stillos in the house. Um, Mike S., Jeff Noyes whole bunch of people in here. Everybody's kind of getting settled in. Uh, today, guys, we've got a 
couple of small things to update here on the uh, the head coaching search. Um, obviously, the news of Sean McVay announcing his return back to the Los Angeles Rams kind of adds a new wrinkle to what could be the Sean Payton sweepstakes. That's kind of some decent news for the Broncos, although I don't think that's necessarily going to change things. It is something decent to take away from um, Jim Harbaugh. It sounds like he's not really negotiating, but in negotiations to potentially go back to Michigan based on a source from Michigan, um, dropping some knowledge there over the last couple of days. Just not a whole lot to update you on. Eric, have you heard anything specifically from some of the people that you talk with on how this head coaching search is going? Well, I mean, first, I just want to say it's like, essentially, no matter who you want as the head coach, somebody out there is saying they're the favorite. This head coaching search, it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. I mean, Denver's trying to swing big with the Walmart money behind them and everything like that. And so there's a lot of leaks coming out about, oh, Sean Payton's the favorite. Jim Harbaugh's the favorite. David Shaw's the favorite. Uh, Quinn Dan Quinn is the favorite. Like, almost everybody has been a favorite for the Broncos at this point. As for what's new, really, it seems like while there is a lot of interest in Sean Payton from the Broncos, and I know that it was recently reported by a guy from, I believe, the Washington Post, who um, came out and said that Sean Payton is extremely interested in the Broncos with their stable leadership and even Russell Wilson. And I can't remember the exact wording of it, but the wording the wording of his his report said to me is like th there's nothing that makes it more clear that Sean Payton doesn't really care for Russell Wilson as like he as he makes it seem in that in that report with the the final words that he's willing to that he's willing to work with or yeah whatever he was it was like willing to work with Russell Wilson for Wilson um so I expect that. And I mean, there's still a lot of things out there that Sean Payton, he's eyeing a Los Angeles job that's been heavily reported for a couple months now. And the Chargers job might open up. That's the big one is there. there I know for a fact, there's a lot of people inside the building that are extremely frustrated with the injury to Mike Williams. And beyond that, the fact that starters played against the Broncos, there was no point from them to, for them to play people the oh, there's issues with the ownerships have the ownership has issues with that the general managers have issue with general manager has issue with that along with many others so if they lose to the jaguars i would expect brandon staley to be fired um and that is a job that sean payton has been heavily linked to besides the Rams, yes. wanting to work with justin herbert who can run his offense perfectly has the weapons for it and has the pieces on the defense so that is a huge thing there and then being able with Vic Fangio stepping in, Brandon Staley was a disciple of Vic Fangio's. So there's a lot that opens up that for that. But as for, you know, concerning the Broncos specifically, there's not a whole lot. There is one thing that I do want to pitch back to you here. Um, Evero was, had a request come in. I mean, he's having it. Um, uh, and he's having requests for head coaching interviews, but the Atlanta Falcons put in a request for him as a for a defensive coordinator position with the Falcons. What are your thoughts on that, Lance? Uh, if it's specifically for a defensive coordinator and not uh, like adding on the assistant head coach title to his specific job title, I, it, it sounds terrible of me to say this, but I would block that move. And the reason why is you can block for a lateral move. You can't block for a promotion. So the, the Falcons would have to promote a Jiro Evero to that um, – to that assistant head coach no. for them. 
assistant head coach does not count as a promotion by the NFL rules. It really? does not okay. count as a promotion. Well, then, yeah. regardless, I would still try to block that move to, to get him as a defensive coordinator. A big part of that is the re- is because the the new Rooney rules. Um, if the if the if he was uh, hired from another team in terms of a promotion, uh, in terms of a like for him getting a head coach, the Broncos would then get a third round compensatory pick because he's a minority. So it, it's terrible. Year. It would be because next. The year, rule yeah. is they have they have no because they have to be employed with the team for two years before you're eligible for that. Really? So even okay, if Everett so... was to bolt for a head coaching job, Denver still does not get compensation for it. That I didn't know. I, I knew that there was a coordinator bump and stuff like that for minorities to be to hired against um, to hired away from teams. So thank you for the clarity on that. I, I, I these rules change all the times. Every single year, there's some kind of new uh, adaptation to the Rooney rule. So uh, I do apologize for that. And thank you for the clarification on that. Um, in terms of what it means for the Broncos to lose Evero, um, I really got to kind of process that a little bit because it, it seemingly is uh, the, like the, I guess the, the trendy or like the meta um the meta pick to have Evero stay as a defensive coordinator with his ties through Dan Quinn, with his ties through uh, Jim Harbaugh as well. So I'd, I'd be curious to find out who would be a potential option to replace Evero as a defensive coordinator for this team. If one of those two guys, which seemingly are the top two options, I'm not going to say that they are, but Harbaugh and Dan Quinn seemingly are the top two options for the Broncos this season. So I'm curious to hear who you would offer up for a defensive coordinator to replace Ejiro Evero. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and for me, it's what Scott said in the chat is, I'd let him interview. You get nothing in return for a blocking it. Um, so just go ahead and let them interview. And you sit there and you re- you constantly reiterate that we have interest in retaining him as defensive coordinator. Right. And then you try to get something from Atlanta to let him go to be the defensive coordinator from there. Right. And a lot of that would depend on what happens with your new head coach. Do they want to bring in their own guy as a defensive coordinator or do they want to keep Evero around? So it still keeps your options open because an interview isn't a hiring. And even if you allow the interview, you can still block the hiring of it. So that, that works for Denver's favor. There's no harm in letting him interview. And yeah, as for the role with working for two years, I actually completely forgot about that being the case of a position, lower position being promoted for a general manager or head coaching position that they had to be under for two, be under employed by the team for two years consecutively. Um, I actually forgot about that. And then I believe it was Andrew Mace, um, Andrew Mason who tweeted out about that and reminded me about it. Um, so yeah, I, I'd let him go. I'd let him interview and then well, go obviously. from there and see what and see what happens from it. Um, but as you said, it really does depend on it. And and I would want a clear picture from the coaches who they would have replace him if you do let him go in the first place. And just C comes thirteen comes in with the dollar nine nine. If we have a top five pick in twenty four, who is the quarterback pick? I mean, that's a little difficult for me because there's a few quarterbacks who could be worth a top five pick. So it really depends on where you're picking. And I don't think that I don't think the number one quarterback next year is as clear a cut as others think. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't fully agree with that one because Caleb Williams is like the next coming of Patrick Mahomes. You ever watch that guy play? It's just, it's insane. The mobility with his feet, the crazy arm angles he's able to deliver the football with, um, the highlight plays, the, the, the talent overall is just amazing. But North Carolina's Drake May, man, that dude has everything you want. He's a cerebral player with a big arm, good mobility. He's great in the pocket. Like, to me, there's there's too many questions that I need to find some more answers to. Uh, Quinn Ewers, again, um, the the quarterback from Texas, um, did I, is, is he going back to Texas or did he transfer? I think he transferred. Uh, regardless, a, another guy, big athlete, big time arm. Um, I, I think that he, out of the three, is probably the least polished of those guys um, in terms of experience with uh, successful starts underneath his belt. Drake May was absolutely fantastic for North Carolina this year. Like what he was able to do in that ACC uh, against some quality defenses. He had a a really good game against Clemson, um, destroyed South Carolina. Um, There's there's a lot to like with at least the top two guys. Ewers is one I like. Uh, Another guy that I like, maybe not in the first round, but a a potential second round pick is Grayson Grayson McCall out of – Coastal Carolina. He went back to Coastal Carolina after there was a scare of him transferring to Wisconsin, I believe, to follow his head coach up that way. Um, So those would be the three or four guys that I would take a look at. But until we get closer to the to the 2024 NFL draft, I don't really have a solid answer for you. 
Yeah, for me, it would be definitely be between Caleb Williams or Drake May, depending on, yep. on where you're at. And with Bo Nix returning, if he has another big year yep. and to do that, not just, you know, build off his resume that he started in Oregon and really push that, what was it, Auburn resume behind him? That was just yep. god-awful. Yep. I mean, that would be huge for him. Um, there's another guy, too, that's just there. Um, that's a draft eligible next year that he transferred schools. And if he has a big year, he could potentially boost himself, not into like top five, but definitely into that first round conversation that could be worth looking are at. Are you talking, um, are you talking about uh, Phil Jerkovich or uh, Keaton? No, Sullivan? no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm trolling you. I'm trolling you. I'll block you for that one. Anyways, Phil comes <laughs> and says, evening Lance, Eric and Deacon Scott. I'm hearing more talk about Caldwell. What do you guys think of him? Um, Jim Caldwell to me got, the raw end of the of the stick in Detroit, mm-hmm. like he far exceeded expectations with that team. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm not super sold that he is the right guy for the job in Denver for the head coach. I'd be more willing to look at him as a on somewhere on the offensive staff, senior offensive assistant, offensive coordinator, or something like that, than I would head coach. Um, but I, I, I like Caldwell. Uh, it's just, you know, just not quite 100% behind it for head coach. If everything else, you know, if everything else fails, then sure, go with it. But to me, if you're, if you're going with Jim Caldwell as the next coach, you're talking about hiring a 67 year old coach that's hasn't been in the NFL. And I believe outside, outside of like assistant roles and stuff like that, uh, uh, consultants and everything, he hasn't actually had a, a held a position in the NFL for what three or four years now it's it's been a while since he was a head coach of the Detroit Lions um what you're getting with a guy like that is you're getting a stabilizing force a guy that can kind of hold the steering wheel and kind of right in the ship and you're using him as a as a placeholder essentially this to me would be a really good idea if you're gonna hold on to Ijiro Evero you bring in Jim Caldwell and say, Jim, you're going to stabilize this. You're going to just kind of get everything right. We're going to rebuild through underneath you. And then you're going to essentially be retiring as you work your way up into the into the booth. And you're grooming Ajiro Evero for that coaching spot. Because I don't think that Jim Caldwell is necessarily tied to anybody defensively. I don't think he's necessarily tied to anybody offensively. I don't know what his staff would look like. He could come in and be that offensive coordinator if you wanted him to. But in terms of him being a head coach, you're talking about a guy that's just a, like I said, a stabilizing force, a, a groomer for the next guy. And to me, Evero would be the one that you would be grooming uh, to be the to guy, the guy to step up into that role. Eric, what do you think on that? Yeah, I mean, I def- that's kind of what I was getting, kind of hinting at is like if if you miss out on Harbaugh, if you miss out on Peyton, if you miss out on Quinn, if you miss out on all these other guys. And you go with Caldwell, it's it's fine, but it's something that it's like here in a year or two, you're going to want to be looking again at somewhere else. Hopefully, somebody from your staff that you can promote as you do something else with Caldwell. And William Goodwin says Caldwell isn't even the top five for me. Um, he he's number five for me, I think, if my math is correct. Maybe maybe number six. He would probably be six or seven on my list. And I pulled that comment from William and thank you for joining us. I like, I don't think he's in the top five. I would much rather go with the Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, Demeco Ryan's obviously Quinn and Harbaugh are my top two guys. 
Um, so there's there's the top five for me in no specific order, but uh, um, Caldwell six or seven, and to me would be kind of just a uh, all right. I, I understand the direction. At least you're at least you are trying to put this team in the correct direction because with Caldwell, that's that's what he is. He's a stabilizing force. He's gonna put this. He's gonna put a rudder on this directionless ship and just be the guy to kind of bring everything back to bring everything back to normal, normalize the situation and just kind of go from there. So that's, that's my thoughts on, on Jim Caldwell. I do want your thoughts though. Um, we haven't seen anything, obviously the, the Broncos are probably not going to interview Shane Steichen, probably not going to interview uh, Ben Johnson. Um, David Shaw though, the obviously uh, what was it? A couple of days ago, the Broncos interviewed David Shaw for their head coaching position. What, do you think out of that, is that actually like a legitimate head coaching job or is that uh, like a, a potential connection to Jim Harbaugh and kind of leads to rice, honestly, with the Stanford connection here? So two things on this. I think that they interviewed him as head coach as a fallback option, as if they miss out on one of their, one of the big guys that they have, they have Shaw there waiting in the wings that they can bring him in, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I like David Shaw. I like what he is. I would want a, I don't want him calling plays. I want him as that CEO type, but that's, essentially what I want of any of the coaching candidates. Um, but for me, I think that the interview was more for a, we want Jim Harbaugh. We're looking at you as his offensive coordinator kind of yep. thing, kind of move for them. Um, but that there is some uh, uh, flexibility there with that interview. And as William Goodwin comes in and says that Shaw actually has a connection with Sean Payton as well. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where that's, that I can't remember where it is, but it's, I saw somebody, somebody was talking about it earlier today. Well, because Shaw was a position coach in the NFL for eight or nine seasons before he was the offensive coordinator for Jim Harbaugh in Stanford. Um, why do I want to say Miami? I think that's Miami or Minnesota would be the two obvious connections there. Um, I know that, uh, he was, a, that David Shaw was a position coach in Philadelphia and Oakland with the Raiders, but I don't know where the connection with Peyton comes from. Uh, I know you're looking that up. So um, I think that's pretty much everything I had in terms of bringing some talk with the, the head coaching position. But what we do here on Dove Valley Deep Divers is really take a look at the, the NFL draft. And obviously um, with the Broncos out, this is where we're kind of turning our focus to. The, the very first step in this process is taking a look at the 2023 Reese's uh, Reese's senior bowl. And, um, we haven't quite gotten all the rosters yet, but the accepted invitations are coming in just at an absolute frantic pace for the most part. Um, starting to slow down here because they're starting to fill out the majority of the rosters, but we've got, well, I think 134 players right now that have actually accepted, uh, invitations to the Reese's senior bowl. I want to take a look specifically here, um, I have a mock draft written up at milehighhuddle.com. It just dropped earlier this morning, uh, a, a three-round mock draft. And one of the names that specifically stands out, if you're looking at the Senior Bowl rosters, as I'm looking at on uh, their, their website here, Boise State safety, J.L. Skinner is a name that really pops to me. He's in my mock draft. I really like this guy, 6'4", 220 pounds, very rangy for a player that size, super physical. You can play him in the box. You can play him as double high safety. Eric, what do you think about bringing in JL Skinner to this Broncos team? I mean, I'd be fine with it, with what they've showed with how they're trying to use their safeties this year. 
Because I mean, there was a lot of lot of cover one this year that they ran where they'd start off in a two high, and then one of the two safeties would drop down. And a good portion of the time, it was Justin Simmons for some strange reason. Yeah. Well, I think with with JL Skinner, I think you have your obvious guy who's going to drop down and not play that single high role, which I think would be better for um, for Justin Simmons as well. Um, I, I like him. I think he's got more versatility. He's going to get labeled as a box safety guy i mean because he's huge he's like 6'4 220 like he's a big dude and he's he definitely can be a box safety but i think he's got more range and quickness in that i mean not i'm not talking single high but i think he can work in a too high too high uh um, too high system that denver runs um even from from their base and then they uh their base look and then they adjust for that for their coverages so i think he's got enough versatility to that you can use him in different ways and for defensive coordinators especially with the trend that's being set in the nfl right now that he fits in that i think second round is just a bit rich for me which is where i believe is or early third round is a bit rich for me which which is where you had him but for that is just something that's like just picking at something a little bit because currently he sits with a mid round three grade so it's literally just the difference of about eight picks which isn't that big of a deal when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The biggest thing when I watch him is it, I go back to Kareem Jackson a lot. And the, the last couple of seasons of Kareem Jackson have been hit and miss, specifically because, like you said, they're, they're trying to play him as that single high safety. They're rotating Justin Simmons down, which quite honestly has been working because Simmons leads the NFL in takeaways despite missing five games this season. So I, I understand why they're putting Justin Simmons in those positions because he has a better chance of getting around the football and use, using his hands, use, using his physicality and stuff like that. It's obviously working. There's something the Broncos have struggled to do is take the football away defensively for a, a handful of seasons now. However, with a guy like Kareem Jackson, who's aging and slowing and is reckless, reckless abandonment as a tackler, like it, it, it leads with his head way too much. You've got a guy that profiles similarly in terms of play style, not in terms of body type, but in terms of play style to what Kareem Jackson actually was. And I want to go back to, uh, I believe it was not, so not this year, not last year, the year before, the last year of Vic, uh, or the second year of Vic Fangio, where they had Kareem Jackson playing that box safety where he's like a run fit guy. JL Skinner is a perfect fit for that. Like this dude comes downhill with a, with reckless abandonment. He tackles so well. He runs the alley really well. He has enough range and enough uh, athleticism to be able to play double high if you want him to. 
but that's the role that I envision him. And to me, with Caden Stearns having the injury concerns, P.J. Locke probably not coming back after this season. You've got Kareem Jackson, who's going to be a, a cap casualty liability. I believe he's actually a free agent, so that doesn't necessarily even matter in that aspect. To You need another safety here. And J.L. Skinner profiles as that perfect replacement for a guy like a Caden Stearns, like a guy like a Kareem Jackson. So that's why I went with him. I picked him, I believe, number 67 overall in that particular mock draft. Um, lots of like about this player, even though there are some question marks with his um, ability to play as a single high player. So uh, it was a name that popped out to me, and I'm really curious to see how this uh, that the coaching staff uses him at the Senior Bowl. But um, I, I really liked it. I really like his game. He had a really good game against Wyoming this year too, with two interceptions. One of them was a game ceiling pick late in the game um, in the in the red zone. So um, really like what this kid brings. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that this is a pretty good safety group all around at the Senior Bowl this year. Jordan Battle, I like a decent amount. And then um, Christopher Smith out of Georgia as well. So there's definitely a lot of safeties that if the Broncos want to look at, that they don't have to go out and get early. They can look at these guys to try to replace Kareem Jackson because you can't bet on Caden Cerns. You can't bet on DeLaron Turner Yell because, I mean, I believe Turner Yell's only played like two snaps on defense this year. Granted, he was a rookie drafted in the fifth round. But that's even more as to why you shouldn't bet on him to step in and replace um, Kareem Jackson. And the Caden Stearns with the hip issue, of course, kind of derailed things a little bit there with their intentions to develop him as the season went on. So there are a good number of safeties here that are worth looking at. And I saw somebody in the chat ask about the MHH being at the Senior Bowl. I know Luke is going, and I believe Scott is going again this year. So we'll definitely have boots on the ground. Yeah, Scott's going to be there. He just confirmed behind the scenes. Luke is going to be there. I think Luke's also going to be in Vegas for the Shrine game. So um, give give Luke a, a follow on Twitter at Luke Patterson LP, I believe is his handle. Um, so make sure you're following along with what he's got going on and have some updates for you there. And you'll find everything over at milehighhuddle.com as well. Um, there was some quick comments here about Delaren Turner yell about how he was supposed to be the next KJAC. I don't think that it was supposed to be the next KJAX. I think he was supposed to just be more of a depth player because Caden Stearns was supposed to be the next KJAX. Like that was the guy that they really wanted to step up this year. That hip issue really kind of hampered that obviously, as Eric alluded to just a few minutes ago, but um, with, with DTY, he was always a developmental safety, um, potentially an improvement over, uh, uh, PJ Locke, a guy that you could play on the special teams unit. He didn't get a, a whole lot of time this season. He kind of fell out of favor. It seemed like early in training camp as he just wasn't quite picking up the defense the way he needed to, um, wasn't quite making the plays in the special teams he needed to. So we'll see how he continues to develop moving forward. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I, I still think though that safety is a, is a need that this, this team needs to address. And like you said, this is a great safety class. Um, there's a, a handful of players. Chris Smith from Georgia is one that I really like. Um, there's, uh, another kid from Notre Dame, I, Brand, Brandon Joseph, I think is his name. Um, I, I watched a little bit of him the other day, seemingly fluid enough of an athlete, but passes up on, on physical contact. So he's not the, the best tackler. Uh, so Still, though, there's there's enough athleticism there to that you can play him in this defense, and with with Justin Simmons, you can have some success here. 
continuing on the defensive side of the football here with the defensive backs, a guy that we were talking about just a little bit earlier, Eric, in uh, uh, Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois. You want to talk about a dude that's just – Packed full of power in terms of a in terms of a tackler, his click and close is amazing. Super physical at the catch point, fluid fluid hips. This dude is super fun. If he's available with the Broncos' first round pick, what 28-29 overall, is this a guy that you're potentially looking at? So long as the offensive line has kind of been short up. I'm sorry. What was that? I was reading a comment in the uh, chat. Oh, you're you're good. Uh, uh, Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois. Okay. Uh, 28-29 overall. You cool with the Broncos taking him there? Yeah, if he's there. Um, somebody there's a there's a guy that I highly respect when it comes to the draft, and he was putting out today that he's calling his shot. Um, Thor Nystrom every year he puts out a thing of draft guys call your shot as to what happens in the draft, and this guy's shot was not Thor's or somebody else was that Devon Weatherspoon ends up as the first or second cornerback taken as well as being first or second on most teams' boards, obviously, which would lead to him being first or second taken, mm-hmm. and that he currently has him as cornerback one. I don't fully agree with that, but I get where he's coming from with that. Devon Weatherspoon is really good. He's smooth. He's got really good technique. He's good. At, he's a good athlete. He's you know He's got everything that you're looking for in a corner. Um, and it's just the thing that's going against him is that instead of playing at some of these bigger schools, he was at Illinois. And so that's going to be something as for why in the public eye, he's not going to be getting as much love for here for a while, but I love him. And if he's there for the Broncos, if they're picking anywhere from what 22nd to 31, depending on how the 49ers do um, in the playoffs, like I'm all for it. Like it's somebody that who can give you a surefire number two that could has potential to even be a number one with Patrick Sertan opposite him. And also, you have Patrick Sertan, who's avail- eligible for an extension after the 2023 season. So that can help with the cost as well as the position. Instead of having to go out and go expensive somewhere else, you still have Damari Mathis and you have Witherspoon, who a lot of people view as a great talent to move inside and outside, depending on who, who you have as your third corner. So it can be a situation where Mathis is your third corner, then you're moving, you're keeping Witherspoon on there, then you're moving him to the nickel to bring Mathis out onto the field. Yep. The biggest thing that I've I've seen with Witherspoon, and I'm not super concerned about it, just given his play style, is he seemingly is a little bit undersized. When I say undersized, I'm talking 5'11", maybe close to 200 pounds. He plays 6'2", 215. Like, this dude is wild. He comes crashing down the field and hits like a freight train. Uh, that's the the one big attribute that I like about him the most is the fact that he's super physical. I love physicality at the cornerback position and, and also the safety position. Regardless, you're like when you're when you're a, a physical guy, a guy that likes to go and, and mix it up in the running game, that just draws me to you because you have to have some reliability on the boundary in the running game. You have to have guys that want to go out and make tackles. You can't have a uh, CJ Henderson, for example, from the Carolina Panthers, uh, formerly of the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars and a Florida Gator player that the dude shied his shoulders away, like turned and said, no, I'm not going to get physical. Devon Witherspoon, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Those guys are, incredibly physical at the at the uh, point of attack in the running game. Witherspoon does a great job with his recognition as well. His click and close is awesome. His length is great for a guy that is seemingly a little bit undersized. He's probably going to have 32 or 33-inch arms, which is a nice attribute to have for a coverage quarterback. And like Eric said, this dude is just smooth. 
Like his hip fluidity is incredible. His change of direction skills are amazing. He is very fun to watch. I don't know if I'm going to have him end up as cornerback one, but two or three for sure is definitely there. I think Christian Gonzalez probably takes cornerback one for me. Um, but I think that uh, with Witherspoon and his just athletic ability, the, the physicality traits that he has, he's scheme versatile, which is going to give him a big boost here. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Uh, Gary Palmer jumping in, 499 Super Chat. Thank you, Gary, for joining us. As always, good to see you, buddy. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, Scott, and Broncos Country, MHH for life. Uh, hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, Gary, for that. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, there's another guy that I like in terms of length, um, physical skill set, um, the ability to play on the boundary. Kansas State cornerback Julius Brents. Eric, what are your thoughts on a guy like Julius Brents? Um, I actually haven't watched Julius Brents. Okay. Um, so I can't talk much on him. I know – here's what I do know. I know he's tall. He's long. He's got the length. Mm-hmm. And that's going – I mean, he's, what, 6'5", six, 6'4", six, listed what, by Kansas yeah, State? Something like that. Four, like, that, depending – I mean, if he shows up at the combine being that tall, even if it's an inch short at 6'3", he's going to attract a lot of attention from NFL people. The, the biggest thing when I was watching him, I watched him play in the uh, the Big 12 title game, and I, I believe it was the Texas Tech game from earlier this season. The, the first thing you notice with him, obviously, is the length, but the second thing you notice is his, his competitiveness. Like This dude is, uh, again, another guy that goes out and just makes a lot of plays at the cornerback position. You get him at the catch point, he uses that length really well. His technique is okay. Um, I think that there's some fluidity issues with him turning and running, but he can turn and run. He's got enough athleticism to kind of keep himself in phase. But for the most part, like he's just a competitive dude, and I, I like what he brings with his skill set and just the tools that he has. Um, continuing here on the team. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just looking at his stats. I mean, he transferred to Kansas State out of Iowa where he wasn't playing a whole lot. Um, to his two years at Kansas State, he seems very boom or bust. He's allowed seven touchdowns over two years with five interceptions and um, and five uh, passes broken up. So very boom or bust. I mean, this year he's cut it back a little bit, allowed an NFL rating of 57.7, but 101.9 last year. So definitely excited to look to dig into his tape and see what the difference was from last year where he was beaten a little bit more often compared to this year and what it was that he changed or improved upon. Yeah. So let's switch gears here just a little bit. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the football. Everybody is pounding the table and it's seemingly all over Broncos country for the, for them to really invest in this offensive line. I, for one think that they're probably going to, 
have a major focus on first off bringing Cam Fleming back. I think that that's a big, um, a, a big get for them in terms of the his performance on the field this season and and also in relation to the cost. Fleming to me is a guy that I really want them to bring back. But the offensive line is something that you really have to pay attention to for the Broncos this season. And I have a guy here that. Um, was also in my mock draft. He was the second third round pick that I have. And John Michael Schmitz, he's the center from Minnesota. I like this guy a lot. I think that there's a lot of um, nastiness in his game. He does a really good job as a road grader up front. There's some questions that I have and some concerns that I have with him in terms of his contact balance and pass protection. I know there for a while, Eric, you were talking heavily about a player like John Michael Schmitz. What do you think of him? And is that a potential option for the Broncos in the third round? I mean, definitely. The, this One thing is clear is the Broncos will be looking for at least three new starters on the offensive line, possibly four, depending on what happens with Garrett Bowles and his contract with them. Most 99% going to be approaching him with a contract restructure. Um, John Michael Schmitz, he is a bit older, but for the center position, that's not a big negative for me. And what I like is that while he has had his issues in pass protection, he has been consistently a pretty much a mauler in the running game. And with Russell Wilson for it, you need to get that, or as the quarterback for the Broncos in 2023, you got to get that running game going. You got to get the improvements there. That's I, I really like him to help the helping that aspect of it. And his issues in pass protection weren't you know didn't make him a complete liability mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like the issues of lloyd cushionberry this over his career as being a liability in the running game yep. like you don't have that in john michael schmitz in either way either aspect of it so at least even though he's older you have that and then you have he's been absolutely praised for his intelligence and his football iq which is what you want from the from the offensive alignment from the center especially to help take some pressure off the quarterback with making certain calls at the line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. something that can also help Russell Wilson a little bit. Because this year at times it seemed that Russell Wilson was struggling a lot with the closer to the line, which then made him later with his reads in the secondary. So if you're getting a center that can actually make the calls and the protections aspects of it, you might be able to cut back on a lot of these blown protections due to miscommunications between Russell Wilson and the offensive line, as well as you know Russell Wilson just reading a little bit better of the defense pre and post snap instead of just being waiting or just waiting on the pressure. So I like John Michael Schmitz and I do expect the Broncos at some point to draft a center because Luke Wattenberg seems, uh, I don't, he'll make the, he'll, he'll stay on the 90 man roster, but the 53 man roster, the practice squad, well, that depends a lot on what he shows. Um, there's just been a lot of disappointment with him from things that I have heard, not just with what he's shown on the field, which has been yeah. disappointing, but off the field or in practices as well. Yeah. Wattenberg is actually one of the big reasons why I, I looked at John Michael Schmitz in my, in my mock draft. Uh, also Lloyd Cushenberry. The, the one thing that like the, the big difference from Cushenberry to John Michael Schmitz first off is the, the mauling aspect in the running game. Cushenberry at least moves well enough, but he's not a guy to just go drive you into the ground. John Michael Schmitz actually does that. He's a very physical at the point of attack. But the, the biggest difference that is the most easily easily noticeable difference is that John Michael Schmitz actually has an anchor. Like it, he drops his hips on the bull rush. He actually gets a good pad level and he has a good anchor. He can drive back into the defender and stop the bull rush. 
the the one big thing, and Eric, maybe uh, I, I want your little bit of uh, an aspect on this. Why I agree with you, he has the football IQ to identify what may be coming. It seems like sometimes he is a little bit late in his rotation when he gets hit with a twist or a stunt. Sometimes he latches on just a little bit too much, and then when he has to shift back to go catch that stunt, he gets knocked off balance a little bit. That, to me, is the biggest issue with his with his skill set and pass protection. To me, that's something that's an easily coachable aspect of his game and something that you really kind of have to watch out for. But that is the one big issue that I have with his game. Yeah, and it can, I mean, it could be a few different things. It could be his late read on the stunt that's coming. It could be a lack of trust in the pass and passing off the block so that he can get over in time. It, I mean, and it could just be a little technical hiccup with him when it comes to the passing off of the block so he can go and get the, the twist or the stunter. Um, so it's a lot of different, it's could be one of a few things. Each one of them is easily coachable. Um, I would say the one that is probably would be most concerning is just being late to recognize that the stunt or twist is happening because that is one that it's just, it's a lot of film work. It's not a technical aspect. It's not a trust aspect. It's just a lot of film work of being like, this is what you're looking for in a stunt or twist. Still doable, still not super hard to do. It's just that aspect of it can be just a little bit more um, time consuming. And then seeing somebody else talk about that, bringing up the center from Michigan who is, another one of my dudes. I believe he is another one who's 25 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge fan of him. He's one of my higher up. I have him higher than John Michael Schmitz. I think that he is a little more well-rounded. I absolutely love him. And if you really want to commit to a power running game, like he is the center for you. And I think that for Russell Wilson, that is what you got to do. Commit to a full on power running game and just bully on the defense. And Oluo is just great at being that guy at the center position. I haven't watched a whole lot of him, but I do have a, a fairly decent background in, in him just listening to some podcasts and stuff like that, watching the um, college football playoffs, watching the Big Ten championship game. So um, to, I, I don't – I don't want to speak on him specifically, but what I do remember of him is that another nasty dude. Uh, he moves well enough. He's not a guy that you want to have um, at the center position. Obviously, you don't want to be doing a whole bunch of pulls and traps and stuff like that, but he does do a good job climbing to the second level, plays with a lot of power. Um, I'm not going to speak to his pass protection because I didn't really focus on him on that, that aspect, but um, good shout there as well. Uh, another guy that I'm very intrigued by, you've talked about moving him inside to the uh, – This is, we're speaking offensive tackle here um, – from Maryland, Jalen Duncan. You've spoken often about him potentially being viewed as a guard at the NFL level. I think that there's a, some more athleticism. Um, the frame isn't right. The length is okay. But I'm curious as to why you think that uh, he's going to be moved to the inside at the NFL level. So the biggest thing is even though he's an athlete – and it's not just me who thinks it's people I've talked to in yeah, right. among guests and everything. They're the ones that really put me on to that. Um, there is a issue with speed with him around the edge. And the answer you'll get anytime an offensive tackle is struggling with speed around the edge is that you're moving them inside to guard. Like that's that's just common practice. You're gonna move them inside to guard. If if it is as consistent as it has been with Jalen Duncan, you talk about moving him in. And then there's some concerns about his length be not being, you know, super ideal for it. We'll have to wait and see on that for the combine measurements. Um, and uh, just, uh, just the, again, it's just the athleticism issue. Well, he's expected to test out well, and he's not expected to test out great. And this year, like I wasn't fully backing the move to guard. I still think that he can be a quality tackle, but 
the Penn State and Ohio State games were two games that I watched of his that just fully put me on board. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure he is a tackle in the NFL. If he is, it's going to take some time of development, and you're starting him out at guard first, like, and then seeing if he can move the make the move outside, which isn't doesn't which hardly ever works out in the first place. And then it just can be such an issue for developing them. The skill set and what it takes to be a tackle as well can just be put on hold a little bit, which can, again, just continue with an issue of him being a tackle in the NFL. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what about Darnell Wright, the uh, the tackle from Tennessee? Like completely opposite players. I don't think Wright's nearly as athletic as uh, Jalen Duncan is. Prototypical size. Like he's a, he's a big dude and he's a mauler in the running game. Decent pass protector as well, but uh, there's some other – we actually got a comment here um, from CIA jumping in saying, Darnell Wright, since we haven't had a right tackle for like 10 years and moved Mock inside to guard. So Cody Mock, the uh, um, right tackle from North Dakota State, is also playing in this game. Uh, Darnell Wright, to me, I don't think that he has the requisite athleticism to play outside on uh, at, at the tackle position. I, I really don't. His movement skills aren't great. Um, he's more of a, a power guy. And to me, sliding him inside to guard is probably the best move for him as well. What do you think on that? It depends on what scheme you're running. I mean, first of all, you're not going to be looking at him as an outside zone scheme. If no. you're looking at an inside zone scheme, I think he's can be he can work in there. But that is where I'm looking at moving him inside a little bit. If you're keeping him at tackle, I'm fine with keeping him at – or if you're running a power scheme, I'm fine with keeping him at tackle. Mm-hmm. Right snatch technique is absolutely beautiful. Dude, like, oh it is – it, it, it is pretty consistently flawless. And the thing is, is with his movement skills, they're not great. And there are some issues that he has with speed around the edge. But the difference here with Jalen Duncan is Darnell Wright has shown technique in his arsenal as a pass protector to handle that. Mm-hmm. And one of those being snatch technique. He's getting cutting them short early on the rep and not letting them get around the corner. Yep. Um, if he if he struggles with doing that, then it does lead to a little bit more of a struggle rep from him. But I really like Darnell Wright. I understand why there's a conversation about moving him moving him to tackle. Depending on what scheme you're running, though, I'm starting him off at tackle first and then moving him inside because he at least has shown the technique that you need to work outside before moving inside. Yeah, he has a good jump set too. Like every now and again, when when he runs that jump set and then snatch technique on the backside of that, it's actually really nice. He gets out outside, um, lashes on snatch up, and and really just kind of ends the rep that way. Really good grip strength too. Like the, that's one thing you like to see with a player of, of of his size, his stature, good length as well. When he gets a hold of you, you don't go anywhere. The the rep's over. Like it's done and over with. Duncan, there's still some hand placement technique issues that you really got to watch out for. I don't think that he has a great um, counter to inside moves. Like when when he gets vertical, his jump set's not great. He when he does a vertical set, a straight drop uh, pass set. He does a great job getting depth, but he doesn't have a great recovery speed back to the inside. He gets beat across his face a lot. Um, to me, that's more coachable than athletic skill set that you got to work on with him, but I can understand why that would be a, a huge issue moving forward. Um, Eric, do you have anybody else specifically you want to kind of give a big shout out here to? I've got one that I want to get to you, but I, I'm going to let you tab the floor here for a second. Um, one of the guys that I really want to talk about is the best senior wide receiver in the class, and that's Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice, who yeah. Is, who's probably one of the, I'd say at the very least, a top three receiver in this class overall. Mm-hmm. He's so good. I mean, he's willing. He's so willing to get after it as a run blocker, 
which for me is something that you have to show pretty consistently. He's physical. He's got, he's faster than a lot of people, than a lot of corners have realized over the years. Um, he uses his size. He can box out well. Like he's extremely talented. And if Denver is looking for an extra boost to their receiving room with uncertainty about um, Tim Patrick going forward, Cortland Sutton as well. There's rumors going around that Denver could look at trading Cortland Sutton this offseason. Um, KJ Hamler not being able to stay on the field, uh, you know, just being made of glass, constantly dealing with the hamstring injury base. It's what it feels like. And then having the severe injury to his knees, his knee last year, like he's just a speed element to it. Jerry Judy really came along. So that's your one receiver that you know for sure you're going to have most likely is Jerry Judy. And then what else next to that? And even then, if you do keep Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and KG Hamler, well, then you have a whole lot to figure out the following season with the contracts of Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy being, uh, you know, looking at an extension for Jerry Judy and KG Hamler being a free agent, which wouldn't be a priority at this point to bring back. So Rasheed Rice in the first would answer a lot of questions and open up a lot of options for the Broncos with what they could do with the wide receiver room, not just this offseason, but after this season as well, after the 2023 season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's enough uh, vertical speed aspect with his game that he can take the top off of the defense. He's a, an incredible route runner for what he was at SMU with that limited route tree that they run down that way. Uh, 6'2", 205-ish, somewhere around in that size, really long arms, a great catch radius, um, physical at the catch point. And like you said, the uh, this dude gets after it as a blocker. Like he is not scared to run guys out of bounds and bury them behind the bench. Like this dude is phenomenal in that aspect. I, I really agree with your point though. He brings another certain skill set that you don't currently have right now. It's one that you, you're missing, at least from this season, with Tim Patrick. Like just a reliable guy, a guy that goes out, he catches a lot of balls for first downs, has the ability to take the top off the defense, a great route runner. Like if you're trying to move on from a guy like Tim Patrick or potentially even groom him behind a Tim Patrick, let, let him take over a little bit on the boundary. You can play him in the slot as well. I think Rasheed Rice would be a really solid addition to this Broncos receiving core. And you, like you said, you reset the roster a little bit there, reset the cost, um, move forward a little bit um, from – uh, potentially Tim Patrick, potentially even KJ Hamler, who's going into year four as well. So um, a, a guy like Rasheed Rice really is an intriguing option to me. The one that I wanted to bring up to you, and I'm going to go back a little bit further behind the line of scrimmage here, uh, behind the quarterback, actually, the running back position. There's a couple of guys here, um, one Chase Brown from Illinois, and the other, uh, the other running back from Texas, Roshan Johnson. These are a, a couple of guys that just tote the rock the right way. Chase Brown is a very physical runner, has a lot of um, broken tackles this season, taking a lot of uh, a lot of long touchdown runs this year. He actually led the uh, NCAA in rushing yards this season. And then Roshan Johnson with the with his jitterbug ability, the the guy that um, he has a little bit more power, a little bit more speed than what B. John Robinson does, but he's a really good complementary back to a, a like a one. 1B to a 1A, and if you're getting Javante Williams back, Roshan Johnson really fits with what the Broncos are trying to do here. Yeah, so Chase Brown for me is, he's one that I haven't watched a lot this year. I watched him last year, and I was a big fan of what I saw from him last year. This year, when I look at his stats and analytics for it, it's a lot less favorable, and I want to go see and figure out what changed with that. The um, 
especially, I mean, the offensive line is the biggest reason for it because the biggest one is that the yards after contact per attempt took such a huge drop for it. Um, so you got to look into that. He uh, forced more missed tackles. So that's, that's a, you know, a great thing to see. And from, if I remember right, he's done a pretty good job throughout his career of holding on to the ball unless I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think he has Getting one fumble somebody in else. two seasons. Huh? I, I thought he only had one fumble in like the last two seasons. He had five fumbles this season alone. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking um, and six fumbles overall in the last two. So I'd have to do the math and everything because there is a min and a max that you're looking for with fumbles per touches with running backs. Um, I've talked to people who do analytics for NFL teams um, and even then for bigger, much bigger places that are really focused and on analytics of it. And what you're looking for in a running back is at minimum a one fumble per 90 touches. At minimum, ideally, you're looking at one fumble per 150 touches plus. Um, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA this year is absolutely insane with averaging a, with having one fumble every 320 touches. Absolutely insane. So Chase Brown, I'd have to do the math and everything for it, but it just looking at it, it doesn't seem like it's a, it's not a terrible number. It's not sub, it's not sub uh, 90 like it is with the um, Kendry Miller, who we talked about last week. And then um, the UAB running back this year, whose name escapes me that are both averaging a, a fumble every 55 touches. So I'd have to do in that. And then Roshan Johnson, I have not watched him much at all. If like, if I've seen him, it's because I was watching Texas for Bajan Robinson, and it was just a play or two where he happened to be out there. And so I haven't seen him a whole lot. Um, but he is um, interesting with what I have seen of him. Um, so it's, yeah, I'd have to dig more into him really before I can have a for sure say. I, I think he's got a little bit more long speed than what Bijan has. It, like his acceleration's on point as well. Um, not quite as good with his vision as Bijan is because Bijan's just wild and his jump cuts insane. But Roshan, for what he is, is actually a nice complimentary back to a guy like uh, Bijan Robinson, who's obviously toting the rock. You've got some more lightning ability with Roshan, so that's why I think he would be a really good fit with uh, if you get Javante Williams back because there's some more speed with Roshan. So um, that would be the way that I would I, I would like. To, uh, Roshan's probably a sixth or seventh round back. Um, it, okay in pass protection um decent receiver not a whole lot of opportunity but when he does get out on the field obviously with Bijan, you don't get a whole lot of opportunity but when he is out there he doesn't it doesn't seem like the offense really misses a beat and sometimes you can get some more explosive plays with a guy like roshan johnson um william goodwin jumping in here saying uh have you guys watched much zach evans um a little more specific here would be great uh position school Maybe we can get you one here in just a few minutes. I do want to grab another guy here because in my mock draft, again, guys, milehighhuddle.com, three-round mock draft. It's way too early mock draft. Um, obviously, we haven't even got to the senior bowl yet. So uh, th- the first-round pick that I have is uh, BJ Ojolari, an edge defender from LSU. He's an underclassman, so he's not uh, eligible for the senior bowl. Um, is a guy that I really like. Twitchy, bendy, lengthy, uh Decent play strength at the point of attack has a lot of technique issues to work with in the in the running game. Eric said that he's more of a Nick Benito, except thirty picks earlier. Um, I disagree a little bit with that, but at the same time, I understand where you're coming from here. Jay Stillos coming in here with a guy that I really, really, really like, and he was not available in the for the Broncos pick in the first round when I did this mock draft on ProFootballFocus.com. Isaiah Foskey, 
Notre Dame edge defender is a dude that I am head over heels with. This kid is awesome. Super powerful, speed to power, um, bendy, great, great length, great physicality, great play recognition, does a great job of uh, disconnecting from uh, disconnecting from blockers in the passing game and the running game as well. Just an overall freak of an athlete. This dude, Eric, is someone that I am drooling over for the Broncos to get in the first round. So I really like Foskey. Ojolari for me, while he's not the liability that Benito is against the run, he's not far behind it, which is right. why I make that comparison. Um, but yeah, I'd be fine with Foskey. He's one of the guys that I really one of the guys that I really have targeted for that late first round pick. If the Broncos still have that pick, of course. So mm-hmm. Sean Payton, if they end up going after him, that's pick is probably going to the Saints. Um also Zach Evans, the is a running back out of Ole Miss. Okay. I really like Zach Evans, but he's put the ball on the ground a little too much for my liking. Um, he's put the ball on the ground, like every, like 54 touches, which is maybe, maybe a little bit more than that, but it's somewhere around there. I don't, I, I know it's not very high and it's below that 90 mark that you look for. Um, so it's just, that that's a big concern for me. Um, he, uh, even with, I mean, even with the fumbling, he, there's a lot to his game that reminds me a little bit of Melvin Gordon. Um, so that's Zach Evans, but if you're looking for an edge, I mean, one guy who's at the senior bowl that I'm really excited to get a look at there, um, maybe as that late first round pick, I mean, not that long ago towards the beginning of the season. I mean, I'm talking about August, September, people were talking about him as a top 10 pick and that's Andre Carter out of army people. I mean, this dude is a, just looks freakish with his height and weight, um, his length, he's hopefully will test out extremely well, but he is one edge rusher that I'm really, I'm really looking at in that, you know, if he falls down far enough in that late first round pick, um, Tyree Wilson out of Texas tech, he's another guy who might is probably going to be that second edge rusher taken in this draft, probably somewhere in the top 10. And then another, but another guy is Dylan Horton out of TCU, maybe not in that first round, but if you want to sit there and help add the depth and build up the depth of this room, maybe, maybe you have to move up a little bit, and from their third round picks, or you move down a little bit, but Dylan Horton out of TCU as another guy that I really like at the edge position. I'm not necessarily sold on um, Andre Carter in the first round yet. I think that there's still some raw technical aspects of his game that he really needs to work on. Playing at Army is a big reason why when you're that freakish of an athlete and freakish of that just human being size, uh, there's a a level of competition that I want to see a little bit bigger of a jump with him. And that to me holds me back a little bit with Carter. I don't doubt that he has the ability to play it in terms of the, just the athleticism. I think that there's some technical aspects that are really the, the big thing that I need to see him work on the most. If he's there in the third round, absolutely. I, I like that's that's a guy I'm sprinting to the board, to the, to the podium in the third round. If he's there for the Broncos, absolutely. Give me that guy. He's six foot seven, 265 pounds. He's got like 38 inch arms. Like he's a, he's a tarantula or a tarantula or orangutan, whatever the hell word you want to use. Like this dude is crazy in terms of just the physical specimen he is. I don't know if he's a football player though. I, I want to know more about that aspect of it. He's an athlete out there chasing everybody down because he's just so much bigger, faster, and stronger than everybody at that level of the competition. Does he understand how to play the edge position? And to me, that's the biggest question yes. for him. <laughs> Say what? He does. 
he he, did, he definitely knows how to be a, be an NFL edge, and he's he's okay. shown it consistently and against and against some tough competition. Is it? It's not like the cream of the crop guys at offensive line, but last year he really beat up on a Wisconsin offensive line that was pretty good oh, last year. True. That's true. He's beat up on a couple other not great but good offensive lines um, over his two years over the last two seasons with Army. So I mean, I'm with you with the the level of competition. He hasn't consistently done it enough, which is a concern. And that is something that is one reason why this senior bully will be huge for him. He's gonna mm-hmm. has a chance to go against some really good offensive linemen in this class. Some guys who are very highly regarded when it comes to this class, like Darnell Wright, like Andrew Voorhees, who's one of the best interior who's viewed as the best interior offensive lineman in this class. There's uh, Wayne, Wayne Morris out of Oklahoma, who's probably viewed as a third-round pick in this class. Jalen Duncan, of course, there's the discrepancy or the conversation about where you play him at. Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. Dewan Jones out of Ohio State. Ryan Hayes out of Michigan. There are a lot of guys in this senior bowl that will really show if Andre Carter can be that guy in the NFL or if he's just going to be a depth guy for it. And my willingness there in the late first round will depend on what he does at the senior bowl. But with what I've seen on him on tape, I don't think he will struggle. Time will tell though. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting case study with him. And like you said, the, this, the senior bowl is where the cream rises to the top. If you can play, you're going to show it at the senior bowl. I mean, look at Quinn Miners. Speaking of a, a small school prospect, not that army is a, a small school in, in terms of, um, Wisconsin Whitewater, but uh, Quinn Miner showed up at the Senior Bowl and just absolutely destroyed people. He was literally one of the best offensive linemen of the week that year, a, a couple of years ago. So the, the cream rises up to the top. We'll see what it looks like. He's got, uh, like you said, you got Cody Mock, you've got uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, Alex Forsyth from Oregon as well. Um, uh, you might get to see him against Darnell Wright, like you said. Uh, Curtis McClendon from UT Chattanooga. There's there's a couple of players here that you can really watch out for with uh, with Andre Carter to to see if he takes that next step. Uh, Derek Hall from Auburn is another player that I'm very intrigued by. More powerful than Twitchy. Um, great run defender. I, I, I like what he brings. I wish he brought more as a pass rusher, though, in my particular opinion. I haven't watched a whole lot of him, so if I'm speaking out of pocket on that, uh, to, to me, Hall is a guy that – Third round, I'm I'm okay with probably not a, a maybe in the second round for the Broncos. Obviously, you're not trading up to go get a guy like that. If he falls to you in the third round, I'm, I'm okay with that. But uh, um, the, another this edge class, we've talked about it several different times. This edge class is a lot of fun. It doesn't matter what your prototype is, you're gonna find one in this class. Whether it's um, speed to power guys, Tyree Wilson, Isaiah Foskey, guys like that, um, the freak athletes, uh, Felix Anadiki Ozama. You've got. Um, Again, Andre Carter, Will Anderson, uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State is another one of those freaky, twitchy athletes. No, no one Smith from uh, Georgia. Like you've got um, three, four stand-up guys, four, three hand in the dirt guys. This edge class is going to be really fun, and the, the senior bowl class is is really fun as well. So, um, going to be going to be fun to take a look at this here in a couple weeks. We've got. I believe the Senior Bowl practices start the second. The game is on the fifth or something like that. So it'll be fun to see how this all plays out. Yeah, it is. And before we get out of here, I saw somebody bring up KJ Hamler at running back, and I saw your reasoning for it about getting all speed on on the field at once. Um, the issue is is 
one hit and KJ Camler is broken at the running back position. I mean, you just if you want to utilize his speed, you keep him at, at wide receiver and try to get something on motions and sweeps and stuff like that. You don't put him at running back. Um, because KJ Hamler's acceleration since his knee injury hasn't been the best. It's taken him a little bit while little while. And then I saw the compa- comparison to Kadarius Tony. Um, Kadarius Tony has only had five snaps in the backfield for the Chiefs this season, or actually less than that, because something about like it was like five or six. Um, so like even Kadarius Tony's not being used that way. Sure, you can drop a gadget play to put him back there, but you, you don't move KJ Hamler to running back full time. No, and I, I think Kadarius Tony's built a little bit thicker than KJ Hamler. Like the the similar profile of like players in terms of athletic and, ability, but KJ like Kadarius Tony actually has some some bulk to him. KJ Hamler is a, a string bean. Like you put Kadarius Tony, you can actually like work with a player with his size and skill set in in the backfield like that. You put KJ Hamler back there, like you said, the first time he meets up with a a, a big interior defensive Max lineman. Yeah, or Max Crosby. There you go. Uh, Miles Garrett. Throw throw a KJ Hamler on a read option against Miles Garrett and watch my uh, and watch KJ Hamler get thrown through the stands. Like it, it's yeah. it'll be ugly that way. So we do have news: the Denver Broncos are blocking the interview between Evero and the Falcons. Really? Yep. That's. I, I know I said that is, their, that is their higher. plan. Right. I, I know I said it blocked a hire, but I agree with you when you came back and said at least let him interview, um, yeah. see what you can kind of do for that. Um, that tells me a lot, though. That tells me a lot of what, how they view uh, Ejiro Evero. Like, obviously, we're going to um, let you go interview for that head coaching position, but we don't want to lose you as a defensive coordinator. To me, that says a lot of the direction of this team they want. They want Ejiro Evero around, and that points to me of guys like Jim Harbaugh and Dan Quinn as obviously the, the two front runners for this uh, head coaching I position. don't think Dan Quinn keeps Evero. Like, I, I, know, I know you keep saying it. I just don't. I don't think so. Like I know there's that connection there, but there's just been so much about two guys in specific, specifically at Dallas, that is who he's linked with as his future defensive coordinator and the guy to replace him in Dallas. We'll what see. A, though. What about what about Raheem Morris though? Because Raheem Morris has a big history with um uh with Dan Quinn back, dating back to Atlanta. So like yeah. there there's a, poten- a potential connection there, and then Ajiro Evero was uh, Raheem Morris's right hand man. So maybe we see Dan Quinn come in, keep Ajiro Evero, and then bring on um, Raheem Morris as a a defensive pass game coordinator, assistant head coach, something like that. Maybe. You know the thing. You know the saying: too many cooks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have three guys that too many cooks. Like because Dan Quinn, he's going to want to be involved in the defense. Even if he's not the play caller, he's still going to be involved. Raheem right. Morris will be involved. Ever like too many cooks at that point. Yeah. What about uh, a potential Jim Harbaugh staff? Jim Harbaugh makes sense for keeping Evero. They work together in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's a style of defense that Harbaugh has always liked. I mean, worked with Fangio for a while too. Uh, so yeah, I mean that one makes sense. Like I think that you could keep him on that. And even Sean Payton possibly is another one. Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn's the one that I'll wait and see on if if he is hired, if Evero is is actually the guy or not. Yeah, fair enough. 
All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap us up for tonight. We are past our hour mark. Thank you all for joining us here on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. We appreciate every single one of you guys for joining us. As always, guys, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter to keep up in the discussion. Finding me at Sanderson MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. And also, big shout out to Scott Kennedy behind the scenes running the ones and twos uh, at Scout Kennedy. Also, guys, while you're at it, at Mile High Huddle, that's some other account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, um, film breakdowns, opinion articles. you got my mock draft up there as well. Eric's got a whole bunch of draft content coming down the pike. And obviously, all of the breaking news um, regarding the Denver Broncos' ongoing uh, search for the next head coach of the organization. Folks, if you guys are financially able to to do so, please head on over to – huddleuppod.com that's the merch tent where you guys can get hats t-shirts coffee cups face masks hoodies anything to suit your fancy something for the guys something for the gals uh, there's even a little bandana for your dog if that's something you're into uh great stuff over there huddleuppod.com and folks if you're not financially able to do so um please the three things at the bottom of your screen on the ticker subscribe to uh, mile high huddle on every platform whether it's youtube facebook twitter twitch um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you guys get your podcast content, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It helps out a lot. Like every video and article that you guys see as well. Again, the greatest way uh, to help us out is like that. And if you really love it, share it. Because the more people that we get on our content, the more eyes we get, uh, the more fans we bring in, the better we can do in doing what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Uh Really last second here, uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in back, and thank you again. We got another big one from Deanna jumping in here um, late here as well. But shout-out to Michael. Thank you for that. And Deanna jumping in off the top rope with a $20 super chat at the wire here. Uh, good evening, Eric and Lance. Great show, and thank you, Deanna. Great support here from you, as always. We really appreciate that. Um, with that, Eric, before we get out of here, I always have to ask you, any last words? You look tired, dude. I am tired. And, you know, I'm actually rather disappointed in you, Lance. Why is that? You forgot the biggest holiday of the year coming up on Sunday. Shame on you. Anyways, I hope everybody oh, has wait, a... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. Eric's birthday is on Sunday. He turns 45. 31, 31. <laughs> Although I look oh, 45 sometimes. Oh, Anyways, guys, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. And, you know, enjoy the playoff football. Like, it's not Broncos football, but enjoy it anyways and because it's good football. Should be good football. Yeah, I'll go with that. Should yeah, be it's, good It's going to be a lot of fun. Watch the Bills blow out the Dolphins by 15-plus. Um, Jag- go Jags. Let's go Jags. I want to see that happen just because um, I want to see some success there, and I also want to see Brandon Staley get fired for being a dumbass on live television and – playing all of his starters when he didn't need to. But uh, with that, guys, we're going to say goodnight to everybody. Thank you all for joining us again on Dove Valley Deep Divers. You all stay safe, take care, have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.